Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, Archons. Welcome to Help from Future Self, a conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends all around the world, bringing the international flavor this week, especially because myself and my Keyforge compadre, Blake, Boulevard Paper Fight, are joined by the editor of the new Keyforge anthology, Tales from the Crucible, Charlotte Llewellyn Wells. Welcome to Help from Future Self, Charlotte. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Uh, thank you so much. So basically from the moment that Blake and I found out that there was going to be a Keyforge fiction anthology, we were absolutely terribly excited, mm -hmm. super fascinated by it. And we're so excited to have you on just to talk a little bit about what the process was of putting it together. Uh, so why don't we get right into that? Uh, uh, Blake, do you want to lead us off here? Sure. Um, so Charlotte, I was just wondering, um, what is the goal you are aiming for with Tales from the Crucible? Is it to like enrich a Keyforge player's experience, attract new players to the game through this literature, or is it just to have like a fun collection of short stories that anyone could discover? Um, so it was kind of a, a mixture of all of those things. We had uh, loads of goals in mind um, because when we decided to put together this anthology, the world of Keyforge is just so interesting and rich and amazing that we were, we just couldn't wait to bring it to fiction. So for us, it's kind of a way for people who have played the game, who are really big fans of Keyforge to get a, a deeper glimpse into the world that we get to see through the game. Because obviously when we play, when you play the game, you get like a, you get one view of the world of the Crucible. And so this is a different way for us to kind of explore that. Um, but hopefully people who haven't played the game will also be able to pick up the anthology, really enjoy it, and then be like, oh, there's a game based on this, uh, and, and go and play the game and hopefully go and, and love it as much as everybody else does. Um, or, you know, just to really get to know and enjoy this really cool, interesting world that the the, the Fantasy Flight Games team have created uh, with Richard Garfield. You know, I'm just super excited to get to share this with everybody. So I, I'm curious, as the editor... What was your guiding principle in putting the anthology together, um, making sure that there was a balance between sort of it having that Keyforge flavor and having lots of sort of Keyforge content for fans of the game versus people who might not be as familiar or only casually familiar with Keyforge? So one of our aims is really to, with Aconite, is really to bring these worlds to life, uh, to take what uh, fans might know of these games or um, that you see through the games and to really dig deeper to tell further adventures in these worlds. Uh, so for us, it was really, really important that it had those Keyforge details, that it really um, dug deep into the lore, that it really used the setting. So the one thing we, we were really keen on is authors really bringing Keyforge to life. We don't want it to sort of feel a bit like Keyforge. We want people to read it and be like, oh, this, this is the crucible. Um, and to get to see maybe uh, factions that they really like um, or to discover new factions as well and to kind of see how the world might work and might function. So it was um, something that we really wanted to bring across is to really dig deep and, and, and to sort of explore this world and to make it feel like a, a real place. I guess one of the things that really came across to me uh, as part of the reading experience was obviously there was lots of fun references and things that I recognized from playing the game, but there was also new things where I was like, is this a hint? Is this something that we're going to see in a future set of Keyforge? 
Uh, I don't know. You might do. Uh, we were really, really <laughs> lucky when we got to when we started putting this together. One of the things that we one of the key pieces of things that we had, we were really lucky to get an early copy of the uh, Genesis RPG system for Keyforge, which is Secrets of the Crucible, um, which the the FFG team have created. Um, and that had loads of background information, loads of details of like factions and houses and also sort of details about how some of the places work so like how hub city works and all the districts and that so that was one of the key reference material pieces that we gave to our authors so some of the details that you might see in the games might be some of the stuff that you see uh, that comes from that rpg uh, and some of it is um we sort of said to our authors go and read all this go and look at the game, go play it, and then sort of come back to us with ideas. And so some of it is how they think it would work. And some of it is just some wonderful products of their imagination. That's really interesting. I like that. Yeah. What, one of the experiences I personally had was after reading the very first story is I had this incredible nostalgic feeling from like a year ago when I picked up the game for the very first time. As I was reading that story, I literally like felt like I was playing the game for the first time. Uh, that I can never um, like remember uh, having such a clear, just this insight and this feeling. I was like, whoa, I'm like, I feel like I'm playing the game for the first time again, reading this very first story. So I thought that was such a cool experience. And I'm a big fan of nostalgia. So just to be transported back and and to have that, I guess that, that first love of Keyforge again, mm -hmm. uh, shown through just reading this great first story. It was, it was a really cool experience. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed that story. Uh, like Tristan just did such an amazing job with telling that story. And when I read it for the first time, um, I immediately thought oh, this would make such a great introduction to to the anthology um, just because they told it so well. Mm -hmm. uh, for those like myself who aren't necessarily familiar with publishing and how an anthology like this gets put together, uh, what was the process like of assembling sort of your cast of writers and getting them familiar with the material? So um, we, so because this is a, like a, a tie-in fiction anthology, uh, process might be slightly different to sort of an original fiction anthology. So I found um, some authors who I thought would do a fantastic job, who were great uh, short story writers who had experience uh, of short stories. Some of them have written uh, tie-in fiction before. So a few of them, like uh, David Geimer and Robbie McNiven, have written for Games Workshop's Black Library before. Uh, and mm -hmm. some of them are very new to it. But what we asked them to do was we kind of gave them a few details about Keyforge uh, and about what we were looking for in the anthology. Um, so sort of things like what sort of characters or potentially or tone um, of the stories, length. And we gave them the reference material. We gave them the, the source book and we said, go away, have a think and come back to us with some ideas. So we asked them to send us two to three sort of short pitches, so short ideas that tell us kind of the story, a couple of stories that they might want to tell. And then what we do is we look at those ideas and we go, oh, that's a really cool idea. Or maybe, oh, that one, that one works really well, but we maybe already have a story like that one. Uh, oh, this, the beginning of this one is really cool and the end of this one is really cool. So can we kind of mash these two ideas together? So we work with the authors to help them create um, an idea, to help them create a story. And then once they've all been approved, uh, then the authors go off and write their stories. Um, 
And then uh, once they sort of have written the first draft, then it comes to me. Then it came to me, and then I'm I edited them. So uh, things I look for are things like I look at characters, plot, pacing, uh, all the kind of big pieces that make up a story, uh, and I help the authors polish it and refine it. Um, and then once it's all sort of finished. Um, they've done their edits and we've got this story to a place that's really good we also get a fantasy flight to look at it just to make sure that we haven't missed any details um and then sort of it goes further down the line so like it has things like a copy edit so they check for like grammar and spelling and things like that so it's a really cooperative process and we so a lot of the story ideas come from the authors themselves we give them this reference material and say come tell us what ideas you've got and to see all the different ideas that they came up with is just amazing um, to see what they've created with this reference material. And I love the diversity of the stories that we've gotten from things that are, you know, an adventure with two students going like, you know, let's go on a field trip to see some Martians to sort of deep parts, <laughs> of, so the, deep parts of the forests to librarians versus uh, Brobnar, uh, you know, clans, because that's also always going to be an interesting story. Um to, you know, let's have some private detectives. How does that sort of work? Or even, you know, like um, when we've got the, uh, the sort of vault reenactors uh, in David Geimer's story, which I absolutely adored. Um, so it's, it's very much all a product of what the authors have looked at this reference material and gone, oh, I really want to tell that story. Uh, and that's what I love about it. So I was just wondering, was representation of the different houses and things that exist within Keyforge, uh, was that something that was being considered when you're looking at this process where you're seeing people's ideas, where you're saying, okay, maybe we ought to make sure that uh, we, we represent all the houses as much as we can or try not to have an overlap of the houses and things that exist within the game already? Like, is that something that was taken into consideration or was it kind of whatever the story that was best was what you always went with? So we always want to tell the best stories, but at the same time, I don't want to have, uh, I didn't want to have an anthology that was, you know, uh, all Martian stories or all elf stories or all Brobnar stories. We really want to get a flavour for all of the different uh, houses in Keyforge. Um, so sometimes it was looking at some of the, the ideas and going, oh, well, we already have a story that's a little bit like this or that uses these players, uh, you know, uses these houses. So is there a different way that we can approach this? So we did want to make sure that we included um, different parts of the crucible and different houses as much as possible um, you will obviously see some of the uh, characters in there who don't necessarily belong to some of the, the houses um, because you know the, the crucible is such a, a big diverse place that sometimes uh, the authors came up with their own characters and that was a really cool thing as well to see them sort of thinking about the sort of beings who could exist in this world so it was a sort of uh, kind of two pronged approach. And then a follow up to that was, did you in the preliminary stages was when you're being pitched ideas, was there like a house that would seem to be favored in the pitches at all that um, you had to kind of like say, hey, we have to go away from this or something? No, I don't think so. I think all the authors approached it in different ways. I think because they all wanted to tell different stories, we were really lucky that they all approached it in different ways. Um, so we didn't really have too much of an overlap in terms of houses. Um, so we were really lucky in that. Um, yeah. That's cool. 
an, another question uh, I would have would be uh, the crucible is obviously sort of a, a very open concept. I mean, by design, the idea of the crucible, it's, you know, pieces of cultures from all over the multiverse, you know, brought together mm-hmm. in one place by the mysterious architects. And I'm sort of curious from an editorial standpoint, is it difficult to have such an open canvas? Like, is it hard then to sort of figure out how to focus in on aspects of that? Or is it just inspirational to basically have that kind of freedom? Uh, and, you know, I'm sort of curious where where your guiding hand comes in with the authors to, to make sure that they sort of stay on track while the world is supposed to be this big open place of infinite possibility. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because you don't want to go too far afield we're really lucky that the uh the genesis source book um kind of focuses on just on like one section of the crucible so we kind of zeroed in on one section uh, particularly kind of like hub city so we do have quite a few stories who take that take place in various different parts of the city which was really cool to see how different parts of that would function we do have a couple obviously that go a little bit further out and i was it was really nice to see authors going and exploring and taking little bits of the crucible and kind of making them their own. So MK Hutchins um, has done that um, with uh, one of her stories. Uh, And obviously uh, CL Werner with his Martian story uh, goes straight into the heart of Martian territory. So it's, it's really nice to see that, but obviously it's nice to to have a little bit of variety to see different parts. Um, Obviously we don't want to go too far afield where you kind of spread out far too much, I think. Great. Um, did you work with anybody directly at FFG sort of on an approval and, and sort of like review basis with this? Uh, I'm sort of curious what the folks who work on the game, if, if you've had any interactions with them uh, about the anthology and what their reactions were. Oh, well, we, we were really, really lucky to work very closely um, with some of the uh, the people at FFG. So at the time we worked with Andrew Navarro, uh, who was uh, head of FFG. Uh, and uh, we also worked with some of the, uh, the team there as well, um, who were really, really helpful to give us feedback um, when we sent the stories. Um, I may have made a couple of them cry but that well, that wasn't me actually uh, <laughs> just because because the the stories um one of them was uh we, we sent uh, we worked with uh, daniel lovett clark at ffg he reviewed a couple of the stories as well and i i know uh one of mk hutchins stories um which is the librarian's jewel he said uh, it, made, it gave him all the, the sort of fatherly feelings um when uh when he read it which was just before christmas as well so um so we were really lucky to work with them and get some of their feedback um just sort of on some of the stories uh, just and just uh, when we re- when they reviewed them as well just to make sure that uh, all the details were were correct but they were all incredibly incredibly helpful and we've been really lucky to work with such an amazing team at FFG that's really cool so i know you mentioned that um, some of the authors played the game like what was the the feedback you got from them after those authors played the games like i'm curious like their reaction to playing keyforge like did they find it difficult to pick up are they still playing it um, how was their their kind of experience with the game in doing research? Uh, I think uh, the, the ones who've played it have had a really, really good time playing it. Uh, I know I had a, a chat with uh, Tristan Palmgren uh, about some of their favorite uh, cards and some of their favorite sort of uh, approaches. And, that. and we've played it in, a, in the office as well um, quite a few times. Uh, and I really enjoyed playing it myself. I'm not very good at it. I will say now I'm not very good. Um, <laughs> that makes two of us. No, we we have to. I mean, if you want to play in the Akana office, you have to beat Mark Gascoigne, who's our publisher, who is just uh, king at putting out all of these combos. And you look down, you're like, oh, well, this is 
I'm in trouble now, aren't I? Um, so he's very, very good at it. So we've all had a lot of fun uh, playing it and getting to know sort of some of the houses. Uh, I haven't played with any of the newer cards um, or some of the, the newer houses, uh, and I really want to get my hands on some of them, mostly just because I adore Saurians because mm. they're dinosaurs. <laughs> what is what is your favorite house so far, though, that you've had a chance to interact with? Uh so obviously having read all the source books and that, I mean, I, I do love the Saurians, but that's, I am a, I love dinosaurs. Uh, I think they're really cool. And the Saurians just seem like such a fun and interesting house. You're super intelligent dinosaurs. It's just, it's the best. Yeah, it's really cool. Do you have a favorite story in the anthology? Oh, you can't ask me that. It's like, if I had children, <laughs> it would be like asking me to choose my favorite children. Um I, I love them all equally, and I love it because I love them in different ways because they all do different things. Fair answer. Okay, then. Well, let me ask you this then. Was there a moment when you were getting the stories back to you for the first time where everything felt like it was clicking for the first time? Is there a particular scene or moment in a story where you were like, yes, this is exactly what we're shooting for? I think one of my favorite moments when I was editing it was when I first read David Geimer's uh, story which is the Vault Head story, which is the last one in the anthology. Uh, it was one of the first stories that I read. And uh, I, I will try not to spoil it. Um, but when I read it for the first time, and there's a couple of moments in it, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. Um, I absolutely just loved it. It felt um, very in-world. It felt really fun it felt like it captured so much of the essence of some of the things we were trying to achieve um, and it was just it made me just have the biggest grin on my face it felt like such a uh, like a love letter to LARPing and to general uh, geekery and it was just one of my favorite moments like reading that story for the first time um, and then some of the others as well when I read them and just to see how they had brought the crucible to life and how they had interpreted it and how they'd taken all this information and just created this absolutely beautiful world out of it also curious do you think that there's a possibility of us getting future anthologies of keyforge stories uh we're definitely looking to do more keyforge fiction in the future so uh keep your eye out and uh yeah it's definitely on our list to do more keyforge fiction excellent uh, on that same tip then do you think that it'd be something that you'd want to try exploring something very specific in perhaps a longer form or do you feel like the anthology is better suited for exploring such a wide and varied world i think we're definitely going to look at doing uh, some long form so a novel potentially uh, and it might be with a novel that we try going a little bit further we try and take some of our characters out across the crucible um, and send them on a bit of an adventure and see what they find because um, i think that would be really fun to see how characters get to explore this world um, and for us to go on that journey with them oh sign me up i'd love that Absolutely. Charlotte, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Everybody keep an eye out for Tales from the Crucible. It's an anthology of Keyforge fiction. It's coming in 2020. More news on that as it develops. Charlotte, thanks so much. Have a great evening. Yes, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, enormous thank yous to Lottie for coming on the podcast. Such a pleasure for us to get to chat with her. And, you know, even having read uh, the anthology, it made me excited all over again. I think there's definitely stories in here that I'm going to be revisiting. Um, one of the things that we were just sort of talking about off microphone with Charlotte uh, uh, was 
that certain things just have that Keyforge flavor, and it's a thing that you can't quite put your finger on, but you know it when you see it. And there were so many times while reading it where I had that, this is Keyforge. This feels like Keyforge feels to me, even though it's a story and not the game. It just had that flavor. And there were so many times where I would picture scenes from the stories as if they were cards and characters as if they were cards. Did you have some experiences like that, Blake? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I even had moments where after I finished the story, I was like, "Oh, I really want to go play Keyforge right now." Like, it <laughs> just made me like have that itch to play the game and experience that. And it, and even thematically, like, so there's some Mars stories where I think like after reading one of them the other day, I literally went to my collection. I was like, "I wonder what my best Mars deck is," because I kind of want to uh, uh, maybe play a Mars game today after reading that. It, it was really cool. Excellent, excellent. Well, be on the lookout for Tales from the Crucible. Um, we cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one is called Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. Blake, I understand you got one for us this week. Yes, and obviously we don't listen to our future selves because you and I, <laughs> Alex, have, have definitely mentioned this many times. But I feel reiterating now during this time when we're doing TCO is very important. And it's um, to read the cards you know, make sure the card is doing what you think it does and see all the text. Like a lot of times we play a card so much that we make an assumption and we're actually not fully familiar with maybe that very last sentence of card text. And um, for me specifically, I have a new deck that I tried out and it has a really, it only has, it has a Brobnar, Dis, and Sorian, but you want to get on board with Brobnar and it's awesome. But in mm-hmm. Sorian, it has the Imperial Road, which allows you to play uh, creatures out of house basically and since i only have four saurian creatures uh two of them being raider gallon it's great to use that as a as an imperial road on a brobnar turn to throw something down that increases key costs which is really helpful but i also was looking at it and i was like oh nice it has an orado hisaru as well so i can play that and get that house cheating oh i can but, see where this is going <laughs> yes orado hisaru says they become to house. They belong to house Sorian afterwards. So I'm literally doing this, and I'm wondering on TCO why this isn't working. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And so yeah, so that happened a couple times, and I just couldn't figure it out. And I think even I misplayed once against Rick because I I actually was like, oh, I just let me just manual mode and do this because for some reason it's not working. Not realizing that I was actually <laughs> misplaying. So if it had been IRL, I would have straight up full on misplayed the whole turn. But um, yeah, luckily it didn't matter. Rick still stomped me in that game. But it's a uh, it's it's a good thing to just read the cards because especially in TCO with smaller cards where you have to hover to see the full text, you kind of really need to be aware of those those small details that you could overlook just from uh, certain situations arising that are not normal and uh, playing a card differently than you normally would. I have made that self same mistake with one of my favorite decks. And the worst thing about it, Blake, is that I've made the mistake more than once because I wasn't thinking <laughs> it through. And it's uh, I would use an exhume on uh, or, or Hisaro, and then he'd come out and I'd put him next to like a creature. And I'm like, why can't I do anything with him? This guy's exalted now. I should be able to use him. And all I did was put you know amber yeah. on the board for my opponents to snatch up. Um, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And it is a thing to very much keep in mind when you're dealing with the, those more complex house-based interactions because i find you know with that or with um you know book of lick and stuff like that there's oftentimes that idea of just like oh but i'm still in this no wait i changed houses or this is being Mm -hmm. treated as another house because of this card and yeah if you're not paying full attention to what the card does and how it does what it does if you're just thinking of the end result instead of the process i think sometimes that's where the mistake occurs 
Yes. One, one saving grace when doing this, though, for both you and I is, I mean, let's just be honest. The reason why we we're doing it is because we wanted to put Ember on our creatures because we know an axiom of Grisk was coming. OK, and that's why we really did it. <laughs> it's that fourth dimensional chess. <laughs> exactly. All right. Of As always, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash HFFS podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the same handle. You can find me at Scuzzy Gruen on Twitter and on Instagram and on The Crucible. Where can they find you, Blake? You can find me on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Instagram, Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight. And as well, having discussions with Jupiter on United Archons. Great. Wonderful again to have Charlotte on. Thanks to her. We'll get at you again soon. Until then, stay fortunate.